0: Friends, marketers, countrymen, lend me your ears. It's time for CMO Convo. And the Convo today is an important one for our times. The rise of purpose-driven branding and the problem with purpose washing. We're joined by Greg Ricciardi, president and CEO of Creative Agency 29, to discuss how CMOs should be approaching the purpose of their brand. What is a brand purpose? Does every brand need one? And how can you leverage them in a way that's authentic? We'll be tackling all those questions and more, so stay tuned. Hi, Greg. Welcome to CMO Convo. How are you doing today? I'm great, Will. Good to be here. Appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you being here, Greg, for sure, Um, because it's a topic that I think is not just super relevant to our audience, but also super relevant to what's going on in the world right now. And we're talking about purposes behind brand, particularly doing it with authenticity. Uh, But before we start digging into that very juicy subject, Greg, maybe you can tell us a bit about yourself and why we're talking about this subject today, or why you wanted to talk about the subject today, in fact.
1: Uh, sure. So, uh, I I go back uh, 20 years when I started my current branding agency called 29. I'm a graphic designer by trade, um, and I've I've said this multiple times in presentations and and um, to my staff over the years that um, as a graphic designer as a creative in the industry that we work in we have one of the most important jobs in the world. Uh, we have the power to influence, um, and I think that power. You know, it can be done for good, <clears throat> or it can be done you know in in negative ways, and I think we've all seen how it can be done in that fashion. So, you know, there's there's aspects of you know throughout my career where I've had designers come in and are excited about you know the prospect of of building brands or or influencing people, and don't truly understand that power that we have, uh, and I think we need to have a good understanding of it in order to respect it, um, and all the way down to the fact that. I think as creatives, we forget the power that the influence that we truly have from politics. um, You know, how we build campaigns for politicians determine quite honestly who gets elected in some cases and and they determine laws that govern us um, down to products that we buy off the shelf to clothing that we wear to how we get from point A to point B. Um, So I think we need to have a pretty good respect for that, for that power that we, we have, and we should try to do good for it. Um, and that is where, you know, about four to five years ago, we kind of, I've kind of focused on, on purpose, not only within the industry that we live in, but also within my own organization, um, and how we, you know, define that to not only our clients, but our employees and our future employees. Fantastic, fantastic. Um, very excited to talk about this subject
0: with you, Greg. Um, we had a very interesting article published uh, under your name on the CMO Alliance recently, and it's kind of like the, the kickstart to this, uh, this episode, in fact, was that article, because there were some very interesting points, and I recommend to our audience to go and check that out on cmoalliance.com when they've got time. Um, but to the, the the topic at hand, to the conversation at hand, um, let's, let's start off by actually defining what we mean by brand purpose, but what do we
1: mean by purpose driven brand? Like what, what does that mean? Sure. So I think, uh, it's funny cause I'll, I'll read Like if you Google brand purpose, which, you know, <laughs> I've even had, um, some of my staff actually do that and turn around and go, well, you know, this is the definition of brand purpose. So I think there's a, a bit of a a fog around brand purpose and what does it truly mean? But if you Google it, it says, you know, it's the reason for being, excuse me, it's the reason for being in the things it stands for. The why is usually to do with the customers it serves and the market niche it seeks to fill. So, you know, in my opinion, it's like, you know, when you define a brand purpose, Simon Sinek did a, a you know, in his book, you know, Start With Why, a long time ago in his golden circle and and discovering the why is the core purpose of any organization or company. And I think over the years, that purpose has shifted from, you know, why was this company created? Why did it exist? For what purpose does it exist to benefit, you know, the end user uh, to becoming more cause focused, uh, more, you know, mission driven on developing, you know, platforms or processes or products that benefit our environment, our world uh, and and how it impacts. Um, I think there's certain aspects of brand purpose that can be defined in organizations that are just the reason why they exist is built on just the purpose of what they do instead of having a solid impact on the environment. Not every single company needs to, to do that. And I think you know the definition of brand purpose has multiple facets. It's not just a single definition. You can't clearly define brand purpose um, as having an ultimate impact on the world that we live in. I think it's multifaceted and I don't think that because a company doesn't have an impact on the world as in you know, doing good for the planet or doing good for people. I think its purpose uh, as an organization affects an end user. Um, just for an example of that, it'd be like FedEx. You know, FedEx isn't isn't changing the world in which we live in. I mean, it, its first um platform was like, you know, when you absolutely need it, you know, the next day, FedEx, right? Um, Its purpose to exist is to deliver a product or a piece of mail within 24 hours. That was their purpose, that's why they exist. Uh, Ironically, they helped change the world by having that accessibility to everyone around them. Um, but you know they're not—they're not changing the world. They're not sustainable in regards to. I mean, they have sustainable practices, but you know the idea behind that—that's that's their purpose. It's why they exist, and they have a positive impact on the world. Um, you know, but they're not saving, you know, a certain species or <laughs> or changing the world through for the, through their environmental practices. Um, I think you know <clears throat> we can talk about it later. But purpose washing changes things uh, in regards to companies that feel they need to define it in a much deeper way when it comes to the impact on the planet for sure for sure i'm very looking forward to discussing that um particularly
0: in light of some some recent news that have come out about some major companies um but um so when we talk about brand purpose it's it's different than sort of brand values isn't it it's it's, brand values i think is more sort of how brand conducts itself and what kind of what kind of causes as you said it supports whereas like purpose is like the impact that your
1: product or that your service is having—is that what we're saying? Yeah, but I think you know brand purpose—you know, instilling brand purpose in your in your your company, uh, which gets delivered through your brand—it um, needs to be at the core of your strategy. It can't just be, you know. I think where purpose washing comes into play is when brand purpose becomes a marketing platform or a PR platform or a stunt. Uh, instead of actually distilling it within the core strategy of the organization. And, you know, a lot of what we do at 29 is helping organizations um, define their purpose internally, um, educate and tell that story internally so that it's effectively rolled out and communicated to, you know, the environment in which that that brand lives in in the marketplace in which it sells. So, you know, I, I think... I think if you don't define your purpose and your brand purpose within the core aspect of your organization, then you're truly not building a brand purpose. Um, and I think because of that strategy and being at the core, your your brand values, your brand behaviors, um, your mission, your purpose statement, if you will, is all defined from that brand purpose and that is what makes up the core focus of the companies therefore the core strategy should you know define your brand purpose. And so yes yeah. organizations forget that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's it's not just a thing that you have on your website a mission statement or something it is something that you are supposed to weave in throughout everything you do not just marketing in terms of how you conduct yourself as a business it's supposed to be an aspect of it but an essential aspect of it at the core of how you conduct your business. Absolutely. Um, and I think Maybe that attitude has changed as well. I think until I'm going to talk in relative terms, relatively recently, I feel like a lot of businesses could get away with saying, what is your purpose is to make money. Whereas I think things have changed now. I think consumers and both the people who work at companies expect more from the companies that they work for. Do you think there's something that's driving that change? Is it just like the world's becoming
1: more socially responsible or is there something else at play here? Um, well, I think COVID <laughs> pandemic had a major impact on on brands um, and defining their purpose. I mean, just coming out of COVID, um, how businesses operate, how they you know work with their employees, everything from from the new virtual work environment to uh, the benefits that they offer uh, those individuals. You know, all of that has been defined, and, and expectations not only from employees, but also consumers um, have been heavily weighted on what an organization or a brand does for them. And, you know, it's been talked to death uh, about, you know, the new generations of consumers coming up, wanting to align themselves with brands that, you know, essentially are, are, are connected to their own purpose and what they believe in and their own Uh, their own purpose, if you will. So I think, you know, that has driven a lot of brands to defining their purpose um, and wanting to establish that with consumers. Uh, However, I think that at the same time, you know, that's where some of the, it becomes a marketing play, right? Instead of actual purpose at the core strategy of your organization, it becomes, how do we attract more consumers? Um, And if you look at companies like Dove, and what Unile- Unilever has done, I mean, they, they've grown, you know, in some cases, 8% in a category that is incredibly crowded and difficult and challenging to excel at that level. Uh, they've done it from a very core focused strategy of, uh, you know, everything from, you know, awareness of, of body to, you know, presence and what does beauty beauty truly mean, right? So that being at the core focus of their brand strategy. Um, and their brand purpose has aligned them with consumers that have the same values, and I think when that happens, and, and other organizations and brands see that, that drives them to see a new opportunity that they can connect with their consumers. And in some cases, it can be done right. In some cases, it can be, you know, a little awkward and, <laughs> and create some failure. But um, I think the expectation from consumers is absolutely what's driving that, and I think the result of that, or the 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 effect of the reason why consumers want that is because they want more from their products, and I think over the years, you know, these bespoke brands that have come up through like Instagram and and you know everything from Allbirds to Built to um, call it these these little grassroots brands that have been built off of doing one thing, you know, and and having a sustainability aspect behind it or a reason to change the world, um, be it small to large has connected with consumers in a way that brands haven't been able to do in in the past. And it's less about the glossy finish on the product and more about what does the products truly mean and stand for. And what, when you say what it truly means and stand for,
0: I think that's an important thing to note as well. Like at the end of the day, you can't get too high minded with what your brand purpose is. Like that if you do, you can look at all ridiculous. I think like if you're trying to claim sure. that, like say, Oh, These French fries are going to change the world, for example, or something like that. Like that, that's too much. You might change someone's world because it's a very tasty French fry for like the five minutes they spend eating it. But you're not going to change the entire landscape of society with that. And I think there are some brands out there who do do that to some respect. Um, I talked about this in a conversation with Gaston Torn on a recent episode of this. um, Particularly, uh, WeWork had a very, very ridiculous, high-minded idea of what they were doing with um, what the purpose of the brand was, which. I mean, considering what happened with WeWork, it probably shows that this uh, isn't a good method to go with, but yeah, it just seemed ridiculous to have this high-minded concept attached to basically a shared office space kind of thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, but at the same time, it's like if you take, you know, everybody's talking about it now because of what Patagonia done, right? So Mm -hmm. it's, you know, Patagonia didn't start out with to be in the business of saving the home planet, right? You know, their mission developed into that over the years, and, you know, I, I think, and I think everybody uses Patagonia, and I, I, I somewhat kind of hate using that as an example because it's like seems to be the pinnacle. But if you look at Patagonia and and what Patagonia has done, their core strategy uh, has been, in my opinion, more transparent and honesty. Right. So you take a brand that uh, creates products for. People who love the environment, uh, originally built for climbers, you know, the, the the products that have developed over the years are effectively designed for individuals that are in the outdoors. Um, however, not all their products are sustainable. Not all their products have a positive impact on the planet. However, they turn around and are honest and transparent in regards to, yes, this product has certain materials in it. That do have a negative effect on the plan. We're doing everything that we can, you know, to adjust that. But currently, right now, there is no alternative solution to do that. Um, that can be viewed as an, a bit of a negative, but to turn around and sit there and go, you know, have a policy that if you need or if your product that you purchase from us is damaged um, or or you tear it. Quite honestly, doing something, you know, bring it back to us. We'll either repair it or we'll give you a new one. You know, that's how they resolve the issue of not being able to fully create a sustainable product uh, within the world that we live in. So, that aspect of it, um, again, from their core strategy, you know. If they can't do something or if or if it's just not available to be able to be fully sustainable, they they, they are transparent about it. And they they're honest with those consumers and those consumers respect that and they trust it. Um, and that's why they continue to spend millions and millions and millions of dollars on this brand and to turn around and, and sit there and and give away the brand, give away the company to a nonprofit. Um, to specifically you know, push those dollars and that profit to the planet to help climate change. And quite honestly say the planet, I mean, that's, that's unheard of. I mean, that's something that I would never have thought I would ever see in my lifetime. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think it has been be a little bit overlooked. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like, you know, it, it came out, the news was there and it, you know, it shows up on CNN. Um, but I think it gets, you know, it, it's just, it's a shame that it's not being as celebrated uh much more than it should be
0: yeah i, I think yeah for sure like I, it was everywhere on sort of my linkedin circles and stuff but that's because i hang out with a lot of people who are in into branding and into sort of like sustainable brands as well on linkedin um so yeah they got a lot of coverage there but i didn't see any like major news stories didn't see it like despite this being someone a company that's literally given the most amount of money to sustainable courses out of any Entity that's ever existed. Why isn't that front great. page of news? Like, why wasn't that front page of news? But we're we're digressing here, like we're I think we're getting a little off topic. We could d- dig into that in a very deep way, I think, Greg. Um, but yeah, I think Patagonia is a great example of when we talk about purpose-driven marketing. Um, particularly in terms of how it plays double duty. What you're saying about the sort of like lifetime guarantee that they have with their products, it's not just about sustainability, it also shows the the faith and the trust that they have in their products it shows like they they are saying like if it doesn't live up to your expectations we will provide a solution to that we will provide a replacement to that and that really ties into what you're saying about the their audience as well so the purpose fits the audience at the end of the day it plays double duty like right? like climbers they want to know that their stuff is gonna Survive all the rigors it goes through, sure. and they want their company to be the company they buy it from to be able to back that up. So they're playing double duty. I think their purpose there, which is why it's such a good example to talk about. Let's talk about some other examples out there. But maybe let's talk about the positive examples first before we start digging into the negative examples and start talking about um, purpose washing. But let's talk about some companies that are doing walking the walk, so to speak.
1: Like, who are you looking to as great examples at the moment, Greg? Oh, uh, I mean, I think Allbirds. Uh, is a great example of it. Uh, that's another kind of call it bespoke brand that kind of came up you know from a DTC model. Um, but Albert's turning around and and developing a wool-based product that you know is sustainable, and their whole purpose is you know, to create product that um, has a positive impact on the planet. Um, I think they've done a very good job and they're they're targeting that particular audience that we talked about earlier. you know the the next generation, if you will, of you know, consumers that are tied to connecting with a product or spending money on a product that they know that whatever they're spending is going to influence a positive impact. Um, I think they've done a very good job of it. You know, it's funny because I have walked in all different call it generations, you know, from individuals in their 60s to individuals in their 20s, and how they view all birds is very different. Um for some reason, the older you get, people make fun of all birds like, oh, look, you know, you're wearing the most <laughs> comfortable shoes in the world. But, you know, the the fact is they make a great product. Um, and I think, you know, I think there's a little bit of apprehension and and kind of, you know, negative outlook sometimes on on older generations. And I don't want to put down older generations because I'm actually in that generation. But, you know, change is, is somewhat difficult sometimes for people to understand. And I think not to go back to Patagonia, but, you know, Patagonia, when it came out, there were. People that were like, I can't believe this guy gave away billions of dollars. I'm like, well, you're missing the point. Right. So the same thing with Allbirds. it's like, you know, Allbirds was, was created with a core strategy to do this and, and people connected with it. Um, you know, other brands that, that I think have interesting stories in regards to like Stony, uh, Stonyfield, right. So Stonyfield being bought by, um, I believe it was Dan and, and now another French um, massive French conglomerate but you know the, the question was put forward it's like why would you sell to a, a major conglomerate and it's like, well you know at the core of our focus is to make a great sustainable product for a consumer and if I can help influence a large organization to make that change um that's a powerful thing and 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 I can do it through my product so you know that aspect of it is is another thing that I, I think is is a really good foundation for these brands because they will get acquired. I mean, look at Tom's, you know, Tom's got a little shifted, but Unilever turning around buying 7th Generation. I mean, 7th Generation is is, um, a really good example of a company that, you know, Unilever acquiring, but Unilever acquiring that brand for the purpose of what it exists for and continue to build on that. Um, strawberry uh, was Strawberry Frog, and uh, I can't remember the other company I had somewhere, um, but they came out with a, a, a Power um, Purpose Power Index. It's the first time, of, or first of its kind, it's been done in the past couple of years that defines the level of purpose in seven generations. It's the top of the list, and it should be. I mean, it's in their name, it's been in their strategy from the day they were, you know, they created the brand. And seventh generations literally is defining products and creating products, not for this generation, not for the next generation, but for the seventh generation down their line. So there's thinking so far in the future and, and that defines their strategy, the brand, the marketing and everything like that. And the fact that Unilever acquires them, some people turn around and go, well, you got acquired by this massive conglomerate. How's that purpose gonna truly live and breathe? You know, but I look at it as like you know Unilever buying that brand identifies the fact of the power that that brand has, and can put a lot of power and money behind it uh, that the brand may not have been able to you know to provide before and and impact the world on a much bigger level. Um, so it's it's brands like that that uh, I, I think are are truly um, defining where purpose is going and and truly defining what brand purpose means uh, to brands moving forward.
0: And it, I, I don't think it's fair just to focus on sort of like the, the external purpose of brands and the, the steps they're taking there. Are, there are a lot of brands out there. I think that are taking a lot of steps to show how they align their purpose with how they, how they treat their staff as well. Um, there's a sure. brand uh, craft ale brand called brew dog. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it in the States, but it's pretty big in the in the UK. Um, they've had their ups and downs in this year in terms of, certain things to do with their brand values, particularly to do with um, the founders. And yeah, I'm not going to dig into too much more um, there. I'm I'm sure you can find articles about it online. Um, But they've recently rolled out a, um, a profit share scheme with all the people who work in their bars. So everyone who works in a particular bar gets a share of the profits of that bar, which I think is a fantastic scheme, um, particularly considering how low, the, low paid a lot of people in hospitality are. I think that's an absolutely amazing way to go. And at the same time, it encourages the staff to perform better as well as an incentive as well. Like You want more money, you get more profits for the business as well. And you, you will actually see a share of that. You're not just doing it for the sake of it. You're actually going to incentivize the staff to do more and to be happy with their job there. Yeah. I think that's a good example there.
1: I mean, we, it's like New Belgium out in Fort Collins, Colorado, right? I mean, employee owned. I mean, it's been acquired, but that company and that brand has has been built on, on the individuals that work there. Uh and you you can feel it. I mean, I've I've been to the brewery and I've been to the brewery way back when it, you know, was just kind of up and coming. And, you know, when you walk in there, the individuals that work there are just like that. I mean, they love the brand. And they love the brand because not only are they connected to what the the product is being produced but also the brand itself and they feel they feel that they are truly in, integrated and and part of that brand as it as it grows and you know when you are able to do that i mean it's a game changer for any brand moving forward because you have commitment, not only from the inside, but that commitment, you know, it can be felt from externally and how you know consumers interact with that brand. They can feel that. And when they feel that they have a connection and that emotional connection drives that advocacy over long term. And that's what builds the brand. So, um, yeah, I mean, the other aspect of it, too, that, you know, to, to go back to your point, I think there's, you know, there's organizations. I've talked about this in another article where it's like. Um, there's social enterprises, Um, where social enterprises are specifically designed to, uh, you know, 100% of the profits go to a benefit of the company. You know, Patagonia falls into a social enterprise mm-hmm. now, but there's also you know, purpose-driven brands. You know, brands that you know we had talked about a couple of those. You know, everything from Seventh Generation, where their purpose is, is driven into everything that they do. And then there's purpose-led, uh, and I think people forget about some of those like Deloitte and, and even Accenture. Um, you know, these large consulting companies. Um, you know, when you look at it, they're like, you know, what, what purpose or what impact do they have? But they have a massive impact on the world that we live in. You know, they're the consultants for these large brands that we interact with and purchase every single day. And they can actually help influence how those individual brands operate, not only externally, but also internally and how they affect their, their own employees. Um, and that was, you know, Back to the point of, it's not just about the product that you produce, but it's also how the organization operates internally uh, that defines their purpose as well. And you know, our purpose at Twenty Nine is defined by you know making a positive uh, impact, right, on the world, the brands, the people that that we we connect with. But first, we do that internally. I mean, f- five years ago, we redefined our values of how not only we see ourselves as 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 a value to our our clients, but also how we see ourselves with ourselves and how we work with ourselves and those behaviors that we have, Um, you know, treating people with respect and identifying diversity and, and, you know, those basic human needs are built into the structure of our own organization. And there's companies out there that can help define and influence that like Accenture and Deloitte um, and helping define organizations of how they work. Uh, and I think that's incredibly important. And sometimes I think it's missed, you know, because it's not just about what you see on the outside, but how a company operates internally. And to some extent we work and Facebook falls into those categories, of sometimes not what the, you know, the wrong things to do when it comes to that. So, yeah, I think we need to identify that as well as, as not just external, but also what happens behind the, you know, behind the curtain, if you will. For
0: sure. For sure. Um, so I feel like we we've been quite, lovey-dovey talking about the uh, the good examples let's let's dig into the bad examples but before we do that let's talk about this term that we've we've used a couple of times on the show so far uh, purpose washing what do we mean by purpose washing what does that mean for for brands to be aware of when it comes to that
1: sure so i think you know, purpose washing um you know we define purpose as you know the core strategy and 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 kind of the focus and and what builds a brand defines a brand purpose washing is um Kind of the, and I hate to say this because it's the world that we live in, but you know, it's it's a marketing ploy, right? It's it's a strategy that is not the core strategy or the focus of the brand itself or the organization. It's a strategy of how to connect to a consumer. It's a it's a marketing campaign. It's a it's a, a public relations strategy. It's a it's a social campaign, right? It's not rooted in who they are, um, and then it can also be just you know, kind of simple changes when it comes to taglines and positioning for the organization that just feel a little off or don't or feel a little bit above and beyond of what they originally built for. Um, I I mentioned FedEx before, but FedEx is a good example of it. I mean, their purpose is, again, to deliver a product within 24 hours, right? Uh, And that has a positive impact on the world. However, you know, they changed their their tagline and positioning to possibilities. deliver or was it possibilities i want to get this right possibilities uh what we deliver by delivering okay. and it's it's like okay so now it's not they're they're taking the idea of purpose and extending it into their tagline by going we're not just delivering packages we're delivering possibilities and that's what we deliver on every day and it's like it if it feels disingenuine right i mean it's like it's not a, um, it's not something that I think a consumer connects with. It's like it just feels like fluff, and I I feel like when certain things feel like fluff or or um, a little lacking in its core focus of what you can truly connect to, that's when you can start to identify purpose washing. And consumers are very good at identifying that. Um, you know, Ford did it before. You know, with their their change of of um, go I think it's go further you know from quality is job number 1 which i think is a great tagline i mean you're defining exactly what you do and you're producing quality products to now you know go for you know forward you know it's it's further it's okay so you create vehicles that you know can carry people from point a to point b but it just feels a little extended above and beyond what the core focus and the purpose behind the product is um, so I think there, there's some examples of purpose washing Mercedes did a horrible job at it, um, and got called out on it pretty badly with, um, organization called stop the wash. But, you know, when you, when you blatantly come out and identify, um, with consumers by taking environmental, you know, beautiful environmental shots of, you know, water scenes or, or honeycombs from, uh, from a beehive and then. You're overlaying a circle to create the Mercedes logo and you're aligning your brand, your organization with, you know, beautiful environmental aspects that of the world that we live in. When your organization has a horrible track record of having a terrible impact on, you know, climate control and, you know, not really doing anything about, you know, your carbon footprint. It's, it's very easy to see that, that change or that disconnect and consumers are like all over it Um, and stop the watch did a great campaign. They took that and they spun it differently and and showed, you know, like a drought and lightning and crazy weather and, and then put their, you know, overlaid the circle to create the icon. And it had a very different effect in regards to how consumers see that. And it's true. Um, And it can be incredibly damaging when brands um, don't truly connect with, or try to disconnect themselves from what their true purpose is and and make it something more than it is. And Consumers can see that.
0: And the environmental causes seem to be the biggest one in this respect, the field, um, particularly with oil and gas companies in in recent times. I know recently in the in the States uh, there was a, a report that came out about the disconnect between the claims that major oil companies are making like Shell and BP about their their attempts to reach net zero and following the Paris Accords. And then it all came out that that was complete lies in, the, in a very recent report. I will um, have to look it up. I don't have it in front of me right now. But yeah, that was just a great example of that. Um, like in terms of just like the pure disconnect between what they claim their purpose was and what their actual impact on the world was like, it was yeah. glaring. Um, but I think as well, beyond environmental causes, as well, we've got to think about them like in terms of like social causes and social purpose. Like the number of companies that um put like a pride banner on during Pride Month and then continue to donate to politicians and governments that are very anti homosexual, anti LGBTQA. Um, it's galling, in fact, in that respect, and it is, and you can see why. A lot of consumers are disillusioned with those companies and why they're starting to focus more on companies that are actually walking the walk in that respect because they have access to the information now. Like you go back to like earlier times of social responsibility, like the 60s and stuff like that. People didn't have the internet. They weren't able to look up like every single thing a company does, but we can now. Like yeah. consumers can see everything that a company does in every single country that they're in. So that's something to be aware of as well.
1: Yeah. Truth and transparency is very easy to kind of access now. Um you know, and it's it, the other aspect of it too is is the adult beverage category, right? You know, everybody looks at it, and you know, full transparency, we've done work in that category in the past, and you know, there's there's certain aspects of you know organizations or or categories within within the industry that you know aren't going to have a positive effect, uh, but it doesn't mean that you know it doesn't mean that they have to try to define one in order to connect with consumers. I mean, the adult beverage category, their purpose is to make people feel good, to be honest with you. Is it a damaging product? You know, it's not the healthiest product in the world. No. Um, But their purpose is to create products that people want, which is alcohol. Um, But when you you try to skew that into a consumer-based purpose that has a positive impact, that's when it gets a little awkward. And, you know, I think moments like, you know, Heineken, you know, is a very influential brand. I mean, they've done a lot within, um, you know, product placement within everything from James Bond to other, you know, other uh, avenues to, to be able to promote their product. But when you turn around and you try to create uh, a platform that defines, you know, to drink moderately, right. It just, there's such a weird disconnect between, you know, what alcohol is designed to do. You know, it, it affects, an individuals' kind of behavior and brain and all that stuff, and and people wanted to escape from it. But when you start to talk about and go, we also want to make sure that you drink moderately and all that stuff. It just feels disingenuous. It's kind of like you know casinos putting out there, "Come gamble with us" and all these promotions and all this stuff to attract people to come in. Oh, well, by the way, if you have a if you have a gambling problem, call one eight hundred. You know, Gamblers Anonymous kind of thing. It's like, it's like you know, spend the money here you know, be part of this um, product or brand that can be, you know, that isn't, doesn't have a, a true positive impact on an individual, but at the same time, we, we also want to make sure that you feel good and and we're here to protect you. It just doesn't seem to work. Right. Um, so I think, you know, those aspects of it are are one of the influences that I think cause consumers to kind of question a lot of stuff that happens. Um, and then I think the positive, probably the most positive thing to come out of the adult beverage category out of COVID was <laughs> I think because everybody got stuck inside, everybody started drinking more, and then all of a sudden they became much more aware of the alcohol intake they were they were uh, consuming, and an entire new uh, industry comes out of 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 COVID that's non alcoholic based, um, and the the rise of that industry has been fascinating to watch over the past two years. I mean nobody heard of athletic brewing uh until covid hit i mean it was like all of a sudden it was like the 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 brand exploded and somebody decided to make a really good product that's not alcohol based um and because of that and because consumers were like you know what i need you know i need to focus on on my health or i need to you know consume on a more moderate you know maybe responsible level you know massive brands like um uh, uh, Brooklyn um, Sam Adams Heineken you know they all started creating these um, non-alcoholic brands and putting a lot of weight behind them so you know as much as i would bash you know Heineken in the beginning about you know creating campaigns producing a product that is not healthy but turning around and creating a moderate you know consumption campaign you know, they did continue to put their money where their mouth is by defining and creating a very good product. That's not alcoholic based. Actually, it's a zero, zero, uh, some products are, you know, 0.5, you know, very small levels of alcohol, but they went and created a very good product. So, you know, there is some aspect of it that, that can be positive in that respect, but it's, it's amazing to watch how some of these categories that, you know, you wouldn't think have a positive brand influence. Um, have turned into an incredibly positive uh, industry that comes out of a you know an industry like that. So
0: for sure, for sure. I mean, the other thing with the, these kind of like, please gamble responsibly or uh, drink in moderation. A lot of that is dictated by government regulations as well. You go to other sure. countries where they don't have those regulations; yeah. they don't have those things attached. Like beer yeah. and gambling is just like all fun all the time in those adverts as well. Whereas like yeah. you go to, well, I mean, you rarely see. Uh, it's not like Heineken's going to run an advert they show like this is the fun. This is what's going to happen afterwards. Here's yeah. the dark side of it. But at least the army. Hey, you know, there's nothing though. wrong with
1: it. Yeah. There really isn't, there's nothing wrong with it. It's a, you know, it's a product that, you know, people want and it's a product that makes people happy and there's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't, it goes back to my point. It's like, not every single brand needs to have a, a brand purpose that has a, you know, a positive impact on the world that we live in. I mean, it's again, FedEx, It deliver products. That's what you do, focus on the service that you're providing to the end user, uh what makes them happy. You know, it, it doesn't always need to be that way.
0: So that, that kind of leads into what I wanted to discuss next. And that is like sort of the practicalities behind deciding what is the purpose of your brand and stuff. Cause I'm sure lots of CMOs are listening to this and thinking, yeah, this sounds great. Now we have to work out what our brand purpose is. So what what is kind of like your approach to developing that? Is it is it based on uh consumer interviews? Is it based on the staff? Is it based on sort of like a team? like a, a senior leadership team meeting that, that decides this? Like, what is the best process, you think, in that respect?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, when, when you look at how to define um, the purpose within an organization, you start, you know, we start internally. You know, there there is actually, let me rephrase that, because a lot of the work that we do up front is external research, right? We're going to look at the marketplace in which the brand lives and breathes. We're going to look at the competitive set. We're going to look at the influences within the industry in regards to you know what some of the positive impacts that are, that are happening what are some of the negative impacts so we compile that that data and then you know we sit down with the leadership of the organization to define exactly what why did the company exist what was the purpose behind this organization being created where has the success been found in regards to that you know purpose again the the whole Simon Sinek the why why does this company exist and why should everybody give a shit about it right so once we start to kind of hone in and define that, then we look at you know, what is the organization doing currently um, that is actually rooted in that original strategy and what are they doing that's not? Um, and then from there, it's it's working with, with leadership um, and quite honestly, in some cases, defining from them or understanding from them what they want out of that um, without having it, you know, all glossy we want to get down into you know into the the nuts and bolts of it and understand truly what is defining that brand how do they feel about it um and looking at the goals and opportunities that that exist within that strategy and that brand within the marketplace um and then from there we start to build a platform we call it our purpose first platform you know other organizations you know um was it uh i think it's uh strawberry frog which is you know i have much respect for strawberry frog um i think what they're one of the best leaders in the space but they call it movement thinking and it's the idea of of defining that platform that's that's purpose based. Um, so we start to define that and then we build a manifesto that, that truly defines the organizations and its original purpose. Uh, and then we look at opportunities to be able to push that out. So, you know, it goes back to the old school of inside out branding, you know, you brand and build, um, and redefine the story internally, um, so that you have true engagement, um, and true commitment to that purpose, uh, which, truly puts your brand purpose strategy at the core of the the organization. And then quite honestly, from there, it makes it very easy um, because the opportunities and the positioning of the organization start to flow out. Um, And a lot of what we do in regards to defining our purpose uh, first platform is identifying essentially a, a triangulation. You know, we're looking at, what are the consumer needs? Um, then we're looking at what are the what is the brand's hot spots? What are their what do they do really well? And then we look at what are the competitive weak spots? Uh, and by doing that, we can clearly identify a white space that we can create a, a, a call it a purpose first platform positioning for that organization, uh, and then tell the story. And that's why I said it becomes very easy because now we have a defined white space. We understand the competitive space. We know what the brand is really good at and that's what we focus on that's its purpose uh, and we know what the consumer needs states are so then we can push that story out and it becomes very easy to do because we have that entire platform and we also have the backing and support of an organization that truly believes in what they're doing instead of just glossing over and creating a campaign or a pr uh strategy that is focused on telling a story that truly isn't authentic
0: So when it comes to sort of like the internal processes, is there often any like friction there between different parts of the business, different people having different ideas or what the purpose is? Like how do you resolve that kind of friction?
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, the friction usually comes from, you know, you got shareholders, right? You've got salespeople, you've got, you know, marketing people. um, And you have a a, a large, especially, you know, the larger the organization, the more dynamics that you have that you have to contend with. Um, And I think, you know, Internal alignment is probably, you know, we used to call it duck alignment. It was like, you know, you got to get everybody in a row Um, because if you don't and you have a disconnect, you know, that disconnect doesn't, it, it lacks authenticity in your brand purpose and your strategy. So you know, take for example, individual salespeople have they have sales quotas, right? They 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 need they need a differentiating um, positioning within the space to to be able to sell their product easier and quicker because that's what their livelihoods based on. That's what they're they're judged on. They have quotas to meet. Um, on the flip side of it, you know, you got human resources internally that are trying to recruit and attract, you know, the best people in the industry to work for this, for this um, organization. So they're looking at, you know, how do we function as an organization that I can differentiate myself, you know, externally. And then you got, you know, the C-suite that's driven by either uh, shareholders or, or a board, or they're driven by bottom line profit numbers, right? Because that's how they're going to keep their job. Um, so you have a bunch of different influences that are coming from all different directions that all have valuable, you know, points of 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 the reason why they need to be there, and and this needs to work. So you know, your points of conflict come into play, but the best part about those points of conflict they start conversations that can be highly effective. So you know, in our in our immersion sessions that we have, you know, because we're a design thinking house and we think that way, and and we build these immersion sessions with our with our clients, we're able to clearly define you know, these conversations and find out what the pain points are and have open conversations about it. You know, HR talking about, well, you know, we need to be able to recruit better and and there's certain platforms that we need to integrate and sales going, I need better, you know, I need to be able to have a platform that differentiates itself when all these influences start to come in, the conversations come in and we start to focus on the core of what the brand represents, people start having conversations about the benefits from that and how it can ultimately affect um, whatever job or whatever role they have in the organization. Um, So it can be a little dicey in the beginning, but the best part about it, and I haven't seen it go any other direction other than positive because those conversations don't usually happen. Um, And it's pretty fascinating to walk into a large organization where You know, this might be for the first time, there might be 18 people from all different aspects of that company in a room together, having a conversation, not about their specific role, but about what the organization represents. Not only represents externally, but what it represents to those individuals. And you get a very good, diverse viewpoint of what that brand is and what it means to them. And then us as brand builders, we can sit there and take that. I mean, that is invaluable data because we can truly hone in on that strategy and build it from the ground up.
0: And I'm sure having those kind of Difficult conversations, it's going to be even more important moving forward as more and more companies are leaning on sort of hybrid or remote working systems. You're not sitting in the same building as all these people anymore. You don't get to know them on that kind of like personal level and get to know their sort of motivations and their drive and what they get up in the morning for. So being able to actually formalize this process and sit down and have these conversations is going to be very important moving forward.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's we've walked out of 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 meetings like that where people are like, you know, in some cases there's large organizations that have been hybrid for years, right? And and they've been working with coworkers for five years and never actually met them in person, Uh, and you know they're walking in a room meeting that person for the first time. So yeah, I mean, it's it's it can be difficult because of that disconnect from a you know virtual work environment, Um, but still, I you know it's those different. Perspectives that that really drive, you know, how an organization um, moves forward and how the strategy is built. Great stuff, Greg. Um, I feel like
0: we've covered quite a lot here. Um, let's try and like pull things together into some golden rules about when it comes to purpose-driven brands. Like what, what would you think are the main things
1: that CMOs and marketing leaders need to be thinking about when it comes to this? Uh, I mean, number one is authenticity, right? It's got to be authentic. Um, and authentic... You know, it has a couple of different caveats behind it. So, if you're truly going to be authentic, you have to build your brand purpose strategy at the center of your organization. And it can't just live and breathe from a marketing perspective that is designed to increase your bottom line profit segment, right? It needs to focus internally, your employees, your staff, your organization inside has to feel that purpose and has to understand. And quite honestly, get behind it. If it doesn't, you'll lose your authenticity. Um, the next part about it is, is transparency. I think you need to be incredibly transparent, again, not just internally, but also externally to the individuals that you're looking to connect with. You know, if you lack transparency, it creates this bit of a black box where consumers start to question exactly what you're doing. Um, and then, you know, the last part is, um, I think you truly need to understand and connect with the consumers and the need states in which they live and breathe in. Uh, with the true purpose of what your organization or your brand or your product or service is delivering on. And if you can truly identify that and not and be authentic and transparent with that approach, then you make a true connection with that consumer. Um, you know, we talk about how consumers make decisions. You know, I talked way back in the beginning about, you know, we have the most important job in the world because we influence people and we do that influencing quite honestly through emotion people make decisions about what they buy or what they they consume based on how they feel so the more influence that we have over somebody's um, emotions the more we can actually create an advocacy for that brand and consumers when they're emotionally connected to a brand and they align themselves with their own purpose to the purpose of that organization you create a long-term advocacy and companies like Patagonia and REI and, and those types of brands, uh, seven generation, I mean, they are, they are brands that truly were authentic and transparent with the consumers, they created emotional connection to those consumers, and they have long term advocacy. And that is that is the ultimate and holy grail behind, you know, building true brand purpose within an organization. Fantastic, Greg. I think that's a that's a really great note to end on there. Um, I've
0: thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. I'm sure our audience has as well, because as I said, it's incredibly relevant to what's going on in the world of business right now, um, what's going on in the world of politics in society in general, in fact. So thank you very much for taking the time to speak to me about this today, Greg. Appreciate it. It was a pleasure. Thanks, well. And I'd like to thank our audience as well for listening. I'm sure you've enjoyed this conversation as much as I have. Um, we'll be back soon with some more CMO Convos. Like what you heard from this CMO combo? Make sure you hit that subscribe button and leave a rating so the whole world knows how great it was.